Hello and welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, where we are exploring simple, authentic faith for normal people. My name is Dave Betts, and together with my wife, Sheree, we're exploring all the things that make our faith what it is. And today we're asking the question, what is the deal with denominations? But before we do, Shreya, we celebrated six months of the Simple Faith podcast last week. That is 26 episodes. I thought you should know that. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, that is super cool. I'll be really honest and say that doing this podcast has been actually really hard for me at times because it's challenged me in a lot of ways. And I'm still learning a ton every week, but it has been really worth it because I feel like I've grown a lot. And it's also been so encouraging hearing from people who have listened and found it helpful. Um, So thank you so, so much to anyone who's given us um, encouragement along the way. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for listening and staying with us uh, this far. And hey, since we are six months in, I want to do something really bold. Are you ready? You know how we have consistently said at the beginning of each of the last 26 episodes that we would never take more than 30 minutes for each episode. Um, And you know how we did this like whole podcast episode on rules versus principles, which uh, by the way, if you haven't heard that, you should definitely check out. Um, I think we should make the 30 minute thing a principle rather than a rule because sometimes, you know, it just takes longer to talk about stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, Our main goal really with this podcast is to make these episodes simple enough that it doesn't feel like we're dragging on, but we also want to have enough time to do justice to the topics that that we're covering. So sometimes we can do that in less than 30 minutes and sometimes we might need a bit more time. Exactly. So from now on, as well as this moderately tweaked intro, which you might not have even noticed, uh, we are now going to aim for 30 minutes an episode. But you know what? We might go over sometimes. And if you think that's crazy and you think we are about to destroy the system, let us know. We, we would love to hear from you. Head to simplefaithpodcast.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook at simplefaithpodcast. So today we're talking about denominations. And as one listener said on Instagram, when we announced this episode was coming, uh, it's it's a word we wish didn't exist, but unfortunately uh, it does. So what are denominations? Why are they important? And what do the quote mainstream denominations believe? I think these are important questions for us to, to wrestle with. So Shreya, what is a denomination? The Lexham Glossary of Theology defines denominations as a group of churches organized under a larger entity on the basis of shared beliefs and practices. So for example, you might be familiar with Catholics, Protestants, Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, there's Anglicans, Lutherans, Seventh-day Adventists, Brethrens, uh, Presbyterians, and a lot of others. So these are denominations within Christianity, and they all have slightly different beliefs in certain areas. And 2,000 years ago, after Jesus rose again, it turns out that we have quite a few things that we disagree on, like a lot. Yeah, exactly. Did you know that uh, the Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary estimates that there are nearly 45,000 denominations in the Christian faith? Catch that. 45,000 denominations in the Christian faith. That is crazy. And, you know, even in our lifetime as believers, we've experienced a lot of denominations on our travels. Uh, I started off in a New Frontiers church. We'll talk about that later. I spent three years in Baptist churches. I spent some time in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. I actually got accredited with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And Shreya, you've been in a Mennonite church and even when I was in Singapore, I was part of a Singaporean Anglican church that had Pentecostal leanings. I mean, there's a whole range of stuff that we've experienced in 
in our lifetimes, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, we have experienced quite a few. Um, and it, it's a sad thing that there is so much division in, in churches, but it's really important that we understand roughly what each denomination believes. Sometimes these things can be small and might feel insignificant, but sometimes they're really huge deal issues. Um, so it's good to know what you believe. So after the break, let's talk a bit more about those broad stroke divisions, and then we'll look specifically at as many of the major denominations as we can. Okay, so before we continue, I really want to recommend an excellent book called The Complete Guide to Christian Denominations by Ron Rhodes. Uh, we'll, we'll link to it in our show notes, but it's it's shaped a huge amount of today's episode. So if you want to look deeper into denominations, it's definitely worth checking out. That's The Complete Guide to Christian Denominations by Ron Rhodes. There are three major divisions in the Christian church. So there's Catholics, there's Protestants, and then there's Orthodox churches. And we've got a series plan for some point in the future called Church History for Normal People, which we're really excited about. During that series, we'll look in a whole lot more detail at how uh, the church came to be what it is today. But here is the, the super basic version. So originally, there was one church. It was called the Catholic Church because Catholic originally meant universal. So it was the universal church. It would be like us calling it the global church nowadays. Anyway, about a thousand years after Jesus, um, in 1054, actually, there was something called the Great Schism. And at this point, the Catholic Church split into two. You had the remaining Catholic Church in the West, and then in the East, you had the Eastern Orthodox Church. And then around 500 years later, a man called Martin Luther kind of sort of accidentally began something called the Reformation, which a really big deal and introduced the Protestants. So you had the Catholic Church till 1054, and then you had the Catholic and Orthodox Church for 500 years or so. And then for the last 500 years, there's been the Catholics, the Protestants, and the Orthodox Church. Yeah, and you probably know this already, but this podcast is a Protestant podcast. So our views are shaped by our beliefs. But we're going to try and be as impartial and objective as possible to make sure we represent each faith group fairly. So how do Catholic... Orthodox and Protestant beliefs differ? Well, Catholic and Orthodox churches, for a start, have different Bibles to Protestants. They're almost the same, but they include a set of books called the Apocrypha. And the Orthodox churches generally include uh, three more books on top of that as well. But, but let's look at each tradition more specifically. So in Catholic churches, priests can't marry. Um, the Bishop of Rome or the Pope is the head of the entire church. And and when he speaks from the chair, it's called, it's treated with as much importance as the Bible, which is, that's a big deal. Catholics also believe that during communion, you know, when we have like bread and wine, uh, the elements change into the literal body and blood of Jesus. This is um, something called transubstantiation, which could be a churchy word for normal people. You know, if we had, if we decided to continue our series much longer, I think it could yeah, definitely, definitely. Have been that. And, you know, the Bible is... Uh, interpreted by tradition. So tradition is really important in the Catholic Church, like really important. Uh, the Orthodox Church is quite similar to the Catholic Church in a few ways. So traditions are also like super important in the Orthodox faith, uh, so much so that the Bible is interpreted according to church tradition as well. But where they differ is that Orthodox churches often have like domed roofs and are full of things called icons, which are basically pictures of 
uh, biblical figures that are sometimes worshipped. Uh, but since the Orthodox Church is not so common in most of the settings where our listeners are at present, we're not going to focus too much on uh, their particular belief system. Instead, let's talk about the Protestants. So the Protestants got their name because Martin Luther protested some of the things that were happening in the Catholic Church in the 1500s. So rather than mixing the Bible with tradition, Protestants generally believe in the Bible alone. You might have heard us talk that way. Uh, There is no adding or taking away from uh, Scripture. Unlike the Catholics, no voices have the same authority as the Bible. There's no purgatory and we can't earn salvation. So what's really important for Protestants is that salvation is by the grace of God alone, not by our own strength. All we need to do is have faith in Jesus. So they often call it salvation by grace through faith. Uh, There are fewer books in the Protestant Bible, as we talked about, and uh, that's because the Apocrypha isn't included there. And although communion is still really, really important, Protestants generally don't believe that they are eating the literal body and blood of Jesus. And there's more uh, beside that. These are really broad categorizations here. Remember that if the Gordon-Conwell Seminary is correct, uh, there are 45,000 denominations in the Christian faith. And what that means is that within these sweeping generalizations, there are actually hugely varying beliefs and values. So, But here's the thing, because we are a Protestant podcast, uh, we are going to spend the rest of this episode focusing on uh, some of the various Protestant denominations. So after the break, We'll take a slightly longer section and we'll work our way through some of the, the main Protestant denominations. So let's talk some more about specific denominations. It's important to mention here that sometimes it it can be really hard to tell the difference between some denominations uh, because there is such a variation within denominations. So we are generalizing as best we can. It's also worth pointing out that although we've attended a vast majority of these denominations, probably at least once, we are definitely not experts on every denomination by any means. We're going to do our best to be as unbiased as possible at this point, but uh, we'll also let you know which denomination we belong to when we get there. So let's start with Anglican churches. Dave, do you want to talk about this? Yeah, so Anglican churches, which um, include the Church of England in the UK and the Episcopal churches in the States, they're a bit of a mixture between uh, Protestants and Catholics. I think the key way that this is the case is that their governance system is very similar to, to Catholics, which includes like bishops and priests and all of that. However, unlike Catholic priests, Anglican priests can get married. Um, As far as baptism is concerned, children are allowed to be baptized. This is usually called a christening, um, but this is also just with uh, sprinkling water on a forehead or something like that, rather than full immersion. In other words, like a total dunk into the water. You know, as a sweeping general statement, as again, all of these statements are sweeping in general, uh, in the UK... Uh, Most old school churches with steeples and so on, like the one in my town that was from like 1300 or something like that, those are usually Anglican or Church of England. And you'll see priests and vicars and bishops wearing dog collars and and stuff like that. You're probably familiar with that. Oh, and also if you've ever heard of like Matt Redman or Tim Hughes or the Alpha Course, 
Uh, these are all part of the Anglican denomination. So, Shreya, do you want to tell us a bit about the Baptists? Yeah. Uh, so, as you can imagine, one of the key features of Baptist denominations revolves around baptism. So, Baptists emphasize that baptism can only take place when the believer is old enough to make that decision to follow Jesus for themselves. And not only that, but Baptists must be fully immersed in the water, so completely dunked under. You might have heard of John Piper or Billy Graham, and these are really well-known examples of Baptist pastors. Yeah, they really are very well-known. John Piper was like the gold standard preacher when we were at Miller at our Bible school, because he's just so good. But anyway, we've talked about Anglicans, we've talked about Baptists. Let's talk about Presbyterian churches. So they get their name from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder. Presbyterian churches are really quite similar to Baptist churches as far as a lot of theology goes. One of the main differences though is, is baptism. So whereas Baptists believe in full immersion and that you can only be baptized when you're an adult, Presbyterian churches allow baptism by sprinkling and they allow infant baptism, kind of like the Anglicans do. Some well-known Presbyterians uh, are Tim Keller, again, who we quote a whole bunch, and Kevin DeYoung. We actually quoted him in our LGBT uh, and the Church series, and they're both well-known Presbyterian leaders today. Uh, and again, just a reminder here, these are sweeping generalizations that will probably not do full justice to each denomination, but there are so many denominations and traditions within traditions that it's really hard to clarify every difference that there is uh, without doing a disservice to one denomination or another. So for example, there's a church called Westboro Baptist Church. So technically they, they are a Baptist church or they would consider themselves a Baptist church, but they're that horrible church that goes around picketing funerals and saying all sorts of stuff about God hates this and God hates that. And they are definitely not Baptists. They're not. They are just, I'm going to say, I think they're evil but they still take the name and that's not good. So, so just to say again, these are generalizations. So let's keep going. Sharia, tell us about Mennonite churches. Yeah, so Mennonites originated in Switzerland and in the Netherlands under someone called Menno Simons in the 1500s. Uh, this is another denomination where there is a huge breadth in beliefs. Like some Mennonites would choose not to be involved with secular society at all, while others would be. Some would completely separate men and women during church services and others wouldn't. One thing that unites most Mennonites is pacifism which is basically refusing violence and refusing to fight in wars. Yeah, and you know the Amish people, many of us have heard of the Amish people, the people that don't have any like electricity or anything like that and use like horse and carts and stuff. They are an offshoot of the Mennonites. So they came from a Mennonite background originally. I don't know if I actually knew that. I actually came from a Mennonite background. So my dad pastored for a while um, at an evangelical Mennonite church. So this was the church structure that I was the most familiar with growing up. I would say that the beliefs within Mennonite denominations can come in a wide range, but there's still sort of a general Mennonite culture that would be very focused on hard work, strong family, community ties, and also the pacifism. You'll often be able to tell if someone is from a Mennonite background just by hearing uh, last names, like my name used to be Martins or Penner or Neufeld. So those are common Mennonite families. Sherea, one of the things you just said there was about the Mennonite culture focused on hard work, strong family, community ties and all that stuff. And that's true. And it's great. Um, we have a lot of Mennonite friends. I'd never heard of Mennonites before I came to Canada in 2014. And so I've been keenly watching Mennonites. And since I've married into a Mennonite family, I found it really fascinating. But the culture is much more than just hard work and strong family and ties and stuff. There's, uh, there's language. Mennonites sometimes have different accents to other Canadians. 
there's also food culture and stuff like it's it's very unique in a way that other denominations don't really have so maybe you could speak into that yeah i think that yeah with even the the language part or having an accent i think a lot of families come from kind of a german background so my grandpa spoke german and and so that accent probably has kind of come into our family a little bit and then yeah with food lots of like pierogies and and farmer sausage and i don't know like it's different for every family but there's kind of a was it roll kuchen roll kuchen yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah yeah so it's 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 very much like a it doesn't necessarily need to be your religious beliefs i guess but it it can be your family ties as well or family background yeah so you would be culturally mennonite even though you wouldn't be part of a mennonite denomination the one of the reasons we are kind of focusing on mennonites is obviously because sheree grew up with the mennonite denomination but also our bible school miller college of the bible in canada was was actually a mixture of mennonites and baptists so we know lots of mennonites and we know lots of baptists and we've kind of experienced the a, a kind of commingling of the two okay we should mention lutherans and methodists really quickly i have to be really honest i don't know enough about them to do them justice and as i was doing research i i couldn't find enough information to be able to do true justice to the differences between methodists and lutherans and baptists and so on so we're going to pass them by because i would rather pass them by than than do any disservice to to them uh, so let's move on uh, let's talk about seventh day adventist churches one of the main distinguishing features of a seventh day adventist church is that they believe that the ch- uh, church should be on a saturday and not a sunday um, that's that's hugely important to seventh day adventists the word adventist comes from the fact that they believe that the coming of Christ is imminent, um, but but you wouldn't see that on a day-to-day thing on a Sunday. You would, probably wouldn't recognize that in, in day-to-day theology. So let's talk about Pentecostal churches now. Pentecostal churches get their name from Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit moved in power on the day of Pentecost. Generally, they believe that like Acts chapter 2, a baptism of the Holy Spirit followed by the gift of speaking in tongues should be a normal part of church today. Uh, some Pentecostal churches would say that that you're not even saved and certainly not baptized in the spirit until you have spoken in tongues. Um, I've read a book by a Pentecostal preacher who would say exactly that. Um, and you're more than likely familiar with Hillsong. Um, Hillsong was a Pentecostal church for a long, long, long time, um, actually until 2018 when they registered as their own denomination, just because there's so many churches that come under the Hillsong banner. And Brian Houston, the senior pastor, he would say, uh, just to kind of speak on his behalf, he says that they would describe themselves as a uh, more, quote, contemporary charismatic church now. But theologically speaking, they would still be a Pentecostal church. Um, And you might be thinking, what on earth does it mean to be a contemporary charismatic church? Well, uh, charismatic churches are very similar to Pentecostal churches in that there's a belief that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still available to Christians today. Uh, but one of the main differences is that they wouldn't generally believe that speaking in tongues is an essential part of salvation or being baptized in the Spirit, like the Pentecostals believe. But we'll talk about what that means in more detail another time, talking about things like speaking in tongues and prophecy and um, words of knowledge and healing and and all that stuff. Um, But you know, actually, you can have charismatic Anglicans, charismatic Baptists, charismatic Lutherans, and and many others. Like I say, there's always a huge variation of beliefs. You've probably heard of Bethel Church in California. They have a huge, huge music ministry. They are a charismatic church, but they look very different to 
uh, lots of other charismatic churches. And there's often something that, that happens with conservative churches and charismatic churches. Uh, conservative churches often have this reputation for being really like stuffy and legalistic, which is sometimes true, but not always. And charismatic churches, on the other hand, have this reputation for being, you know, overly emotional and weak on biblical theology, which again is sometimes true, but not always true. Um, I think at this point, it's good for us to nail our colors to the mast here. So Sharia and I are part of a group of churches that are called the New Frontiers movement. New Frontiers would fall somewhere between Baptist and Pentecostal and definitely could be described as charismatic. I think they'd be Baptist in the sense that Baptism by full immersion is really, really important to our, our group of churches. In fact, um, the vast majority of our theological beliefs would be Baptist, except for our belief that the gifts of the Spirit are still relevant for today. That's a really huge difference with our group of churches. So rather than the word charismatic, which you know often has negative connotations today, we would generally call ourselves continuationists. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit still continue today. And while we obviously are really passionate about seeing the Holy Spirit work powerfully in our lives, hopefully you'll already know by now that we deeply love the Bible and are passionate about solid biblical teaching above all else. That's really important to us. Hey, we could talk so much more about denominations, but hopefully that will give you a bit of a flavor of some of the differences between the groups of churches. You know, What's really important is, as Sharia said earlier, although we might be different in a few areas, it's so important that we maintain unity within the church. It's, it's such a sad thing when church groups judge other church groups just because they have slightly different beliefs. You know, that was one of the reasons we deliberately talked about all these famous Christian figures like Tim Keller and John Piper and Hillsong and Bethel and so on, because they're all from slightly different denominations. And yet they're such a part of contemporary Christian culture. You know, there are, there are so many differences. If I'm honest, I can be totally guilty of judging people for those differences, but I want to encourage you not to be that way. It's, it's so important that we recognize what connects us rather than uh, recognizing what divides us. So in the time that we have left, let's take a minute to talk about cults. This is going to be pretty intense. So although there's lots of differences in beliefs among all of these denominations, there's a few really essential beliefs that they all share. So theologically speaking, in a church context, a cult is, uh, it's, it's any group that denies any of those essential church beliefs. So two examples I really want to talk about today that come to mind are the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. So Mormons seem very similar to Christians at first glance, but here's the thing. They would deny the fact that Jesus is God and they would redefine the Trinity as three distinct gods rather than three in one. And that's a problem. They would also argue that human beings can one day become God, as well as believing in a book called the Book of Mormon written by uh, someone called Joseph Smith. They would believe that that is as authoritative as the Bible. All of these things are serious problems for Christians, which is why we would define them as a cult rather than as a Christian denomination. Okay, Jehovah's Witnesses are similar in that they deny the Trinity and they argue that Jesus isn't an eternal God. Really big problem. But there's also other problems like the way they selectively edit the Bible to say something different to what it actually says. Um, there's a particularly egregious passage in Colossians 1 that has traditionally been mistranslated on purpose to, um, to, to fit with their theological 
understanding, which is a problem. This is a serious problem for, for Protestant Christians, as you can imagine. I mean, of course, we should definitely pursue unity when there are differences over really small things. But when it comes to absolutely core aspects of our faith, uh, we need to fight for the truth as well. And that's why uh, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are not considered to be Christians. And that's a big deal. And we don't say that lightly, but we have to fight for uh, what the Bible teaches. Okay, so there's a lot there. <laughs> to summarize, denominations are groups of churches within the Christian faith. To be called a Christian denomination, there, there are aspects of faith that we need to agree on. Otherwise, we're kind of getting into this dangerous cult territory. And, and shockingly, there are an estimated 45,000 denominations, which just screams out the fact that we need to get much better as the global church at pursuing unity better. Okay, so Sharia, we have finished talking about denominations, but before we end, I would just love to maybe have a bit of a chat about what we've we've talked about. So how are you feeling? How what are you thinking now we've finished this conversation? Yeah. Well, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of, of differences in a lot of different churches. Um, like you said, that 45,000 different denominations, that's crazy. But it is, it's important to to know what your church believes. And But ultimately, it's the main thing is is focusing on what the Bible says, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think so much of the time, our denominations become this tribe and we don't want to interact with any of the other tribes. We want to keep to ourselves. But I think I think there's two things. I think firstly, we have to chill out when it comes to other denominations and recognize that they're so similar. You know, as, as people who have been in Baptist, Christian and Missionary Alliance, um, New Frontiers and so on, I think four or five different Mennonites and Anglican you know, contemporary Anglican churches, we've experienced so many churches and yet they are so similar so much of the time. And of course, like that's the first thing, just recognize that there is so many similarities. I think secondly, we do have to, like you say, let the Bible like shape our beliefs, not let our denominational tribes shape our beliefs. Look at what the Bible says. Uh, if, if you can see something clearly in the Bible, let's take the issue of infant baptism. For me, there's no way I can justify baptizing children because it seems to me like it's a, a personal issue. It's, a, it's a, a personal step that you have to make using your own free will. So for someone to make that decision for you when you aren't old enough to make that decision yourself, to me, biblically doesn't stand up. I see nowhere in scripture that shows that that's the case. But other people do, and that's okay. If you do, that's okay, as long as you can justify it based on what the Bible says, not because people tell you that that's what you should believe. That's the really important thing that I think we have to to recognize. Yeah, I think sometimes that we base our faith, like Dave said, on on what other people tell us, and we don't go and explore it for ourselves. And I think it's so important go and go and find out what what you believe. Go and and figure out, you know, go and ask those hard questions. Exactly. So as we close today's episode, can we encourage you to ask some hard questions when you go to church this Sunday? If you go to church, or when you watch church online, ask some questions. Why do they do things the way they do? And is it supported by what the Bible teaches? If it is, that's great. Keep doing it. If it's not, maybe consider the reality that uh, maybe change is necessary. I don't know. That's a bold thing. And that's not for us to, to decide. That's for you to decide. Anyway, let's leave it there. Have a fantastic week on that intense bombshell. Uh, we are so grateful that you choose to listen to this podcast each week and we will see you very soon. <laughs>